Welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal, episode 42. Um, for this episode, I'm joined by Rob and returning guest Ollie, who we had on for the third episode, I think. It was one we did very yeah, early on. Very yeah, so almost two years later, we, we've gone <laughs> back. And sort of Ollie's special interest is the kind of what I'm loath to call like stoner rock or like southern rock, southern metal kind mm. of. Yeah. Stuff which is a bit of a blind spot for me and Rob. Like, we know a few bands, but you've definitely introduced us to a load of more interesting ones. And for this episode, Ollie's brought us four albums, that two of which I think both me and Rob were familiar yeah. with, and two yeah. of which we'd never even heard of the bands before. So, Ollie, do you want to just introduce yourself and just quickly explain, like, your route into metal, I guess? Sure. So, uh, yeah, my... My tastes have somewhat developed a bit since uh, since I was last on, and um, I think I've I've really grown to understand more of what it is that I enjoy in in music. And um, mm. I first got into metal and or like sort of rock slash metal when I was a teenager um, through the sort of new metal pop punk <laughs> rock sort of things. Shamefully, uh, I won't name any oh, of those embarrassment. But, um, but yeah, that's that's how I basically got into into this sort of music. Um, yeah, I, I sort of more discovered what I really like in sort of stoner rock and hard rock and that mm. sort of thing. Um, and then more recently I've discovered that I, I really enjoy a lot of the more like psychedelic aspects of, um, mm. of rock. Um, and I'm a big fan of alternative rock as well, but that sort of thing, broadly speaking. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's quite good having someone like you about for this because like this particular genre, that kind of like southern psychedelic rock slash metal seems to be one of the most oversaturated sounds at the moment. And you've done a really good job with the albums you brought on this time of not being that group of bands who have got an amazing guitar tone and nothing else. It's, it's one of those things where there's the um, Stoned Menos of Doom channel on YouTube, which is just <laughs> full of these albums which have awesome names and fantastic album covers, but there's just so much there. It's almost impenetrable. There is um, one there, yeah. I, I, I am a big fan of that channel. Yeah. channel the, um, yeah, I've discovered so many bands mm. through that but yeah there is a lot of a lot of stuff on there that i've just done it's just not really not really done it for me i suppose but yeah there's yeah. a lot to get through yeah yeah so the first band we're going to cover today is elder and their fourth album reflections of a floating world released in 2017 on Stickman records and this is one that had me and rob spotted earlier definitely would have made like end of year list but yeah yeah, yeah i just caught it right like as the year was ending but this is one we kind of knew ahead of time, mm. um, but sort of, sort of got really into uh, like ahead of this podcast. Um, yeah, so Ollie, do you want to give us some kind of brief description of Elder's sound? I guess. Sure. So uh, Elder are a very interesting band. They, they sort of combined almost like sort of post rock kind of uh, shoegazy sounds with more of like a psychedelic stoner rock feel. Mm. Um, they have like sort of dreamy soundscapes combined with that you know, that classic fuzz sound that you get yeah. in stoner rock and um, yeah they're a really fantastic band really the, uh, the front man Nick DeSalvo is super talented um, decent singer and a fantastic guitarist and um, the other members of the band as well like really follow up really well the drummer uh, Matt Kuto and the bassist Jan, uh, Jack Donovan they're, yeah great bunch of guys yeah. I, I think you've hit upon it and the thing that really makes Elder special to me is their fantastic guitar melodies and leads yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just phenomenal they're so well written um, and with the sort of keys as well, um, Nick DeSalvo plays keys on some of the sections, particularly when a sort of lead guitar section comes in. The keys will fill out that atmosphere. But it's generally so well written, because particularly um, some of the songs on this album, Reflection of the Floating World, um, like Sanctuary, are really sparse in terms of vocals. There's yeah, like little yeah. bits of vocals here and there, but the song carries itself so well for the instrumentation. And 
so much of that I think is down to just the amazing like writing of the guitar passages and then it's got a really nice solid rhythm section around that and like little subtle things like we were just listening to it on the car on the way here and there's just these like little bits of odd time signatures which I hadn't noticed before because it just feels very natural mm. it feels like this huge expansive landscape yeah absolutely yeah they're um their songs are so long as well. There's yeah. sort of average around sort of 10 minutes and you'd think that with a song that long it would get boring and you'd sort of lose interest halfway through but it, it somehow remains interesting all the way all the way through. Mm. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact they have hundreds of riffs in their songs as yeah. well. For this kind of style they actually switch between stuff like the Sanctuary, the start of the album, does this thing where it almost has a fake-out ending halfway through, and then this huge like lead guitar melody comes in, and it's got all this extra stuff. Like, yeah. And then the second half's probably even better than the first. And then Falling Veil does a very similar thing with everything, like rather than the big kind of solo coming in, you get everything drop out for... There's a cool just-guitar melody unaccompanied, and then mm. a weird second half of the track, and it's that kind of really proggy songwriting that I think sets these guys apart. It's got those really proggy influences. Like, The Falling Vowels is a good example. They have this, you know, big, like, um, Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here style introduction where it all sort of builds up. Um, and, I, yeah, I think adding those progressive influences and, as you say, having loads of different riffs and loads of motions, which often still come back to a riff which has been previously, like, a sort of motif throughout it, yeah. it's really intelligently put together. Um, and I mean, I from I've listened to uh, some of the other albums. Like Law, I think is really good as yeah, well. I really like but I think Reflections of the Floating Worlds really got that composition down as like exactly how to put these songs together and structure all of those changes. Um, and they've got subtler and better at doing it. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they. This sounds really pretentious, but that it's almost like they've been composed of like classical pieces, and it's like a movement. And like each each song is yeah, sort of you know yeah. has different aspects to it, and it can be completely different in one point than to to um to other points. But it always comes back to sort of a a similar sort of theme or a similar mood or or riff mm. or anything. And I think the um, the Stone Meadows of Doom. Um, uh, YouTube channel said that they were like composers that decided that they wanted to like rock the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it seems, sounds pretty apt. Yeah. Really, yeah, I think it's that thing Phil was saying earlier about you sometimes get bands in this genre who have an awesome guitar tone and then just play one riff. And there are some examples of that that I quite like. Mm, um, yeah. But it's it's really nice to see a band go, yeah, we're going to throw hundreds of riffs in as well as having like a fantastic guitar tone and bass tone as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I think the lead work, as you mentioned earlier, though, is what really sets this apart for me. Like the the solos and like the little bits of more melodic lead guitar are kind of incredible while not being that impressive. Like mm. nothing this band do is that technical, but it sort of feels technical because yeah. it's so like because the compositions are so complex. So when they jump into solos, you're like, oh wow, it's a good solo. <laughs> But it's not hard to play, particularly. Yeah. Like yeah. it but just sounds huge because it's deployed right. Yeah, yeah. It's one of, and it's like things that aren't hugely complicated played exceptionally well. You know, like getting those sounds perfectly right. And well, we all went to see them um, last year. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great yeah, yeah. They're they're just like spot on. Like every lead is exactly perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they are. They do put on a really great show live. And um, yeah, I, I actually as a, a non musician um thought that like some of what they were playing was maybe quite technically proficient as well like quite difficult to play but i don't know it just it, it sounds like it sounds so good it, it mm. just it's, it sounds so different as well and so inventive i suppose it's mm. like yeah. it may not be yeah. that that difficult to play necessarily but it sounds you know it sounds really quirky mm. and, and mm. interesting and it, i felt really sorry for like, the bands because we saw them on tour with like four bands in support and i did feel sorry for the band supporting them in that 
they're just such a hard act to be compared to because yeah. they, they had a tour is all stuff in the same genre mm. and they just made it sound that much massiver that much more complex everything that went before was I, I, I honestly I could tell you nothing about the other bands we saw that night because yeah. that because Elder Show is just what lodges in my mind from it. Mm, fair mm. enough, yeah, that was um, they played here a, a year before as well, I think, or maybe mm. a year before that. Um, I think that time they were supported by King Buffalo. Was that the time that you saw them? No, no we. I think when we saw them, it was like Ancestors and I can't remember oh, the, yeah, name of the other Earth Mass. I think as Earth well. Mass, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they were supported by King Buffalo the last time mm. I saw them, like the, the time before you, I saw them, and. Um, yeah, King Buffalo were a great sport because they, mm. they, they were sort of, it was almost like a, um, a, a double a double headliner, I suppose, yeah, because yeah. they both bands put on a really, really good show. Um, but yeah, maybe had, uh, yeah. Elder really sort of carried through, but mm. they both put on a really good show. I, th- I think as well, though, the nice thing is this this album, as you say, is this really well put together thing, but it seems to have taken off from Like now mm. they're quite yeah. a kind of almost household name in this genre, whereas I think mm. before this, I mean, I, I only heard of them as this album was coming out and from you kind of mentioning them from that gig with King Buffalo. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was a great gig. Yeah. They were both really fun on our shows. And this this album as well, it's, um, it's, got, it's got a really nice sort of thematic thing to it because the album covers like this sort of, you know, floating sci-fi green world style thing, which I really like. Um, and it's sort of, the album cover matches the feeling for the album really nicely. It's sort of at once homely and reassuring and sort of alien and awe-inspiring at the same time. It sort of paints this weird picture of a strange world, but it's not in sort of like a bleak, horrible way. It's like a sort of, it's almost optimistic in a way. Mm. Yeah. It makes yeah, you sort of feel like that. Yeah, yeah it's sort of... Um... I don't know. I think there's maybe a theme to um, a few of the albums I picked here of, of being sort of like a, a sort of transcendent feeling to the, mm. the music. And um, yeah, I certainly get that with Elder and, and with King Buffalo as well, which we'll, we'll cover next. And mm. I think that cover is it's a, almost a direct reference to an artist from the 70s whose name I've completely yeah, blanked. No, I know. I, know the I think you did name, a lot yeah. of the Hawkwind covers and yeah. so on. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll have to look it up later. But yeah, like that, like the kind of floating islands. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really good album cover. And actually, this kind of music, I don't know why I feel it's got to have good album covers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. They seem yeah. to go uh, really well it's, together, I guess, or something. Yeah, it's, it's very evocative. And it's sort of, when you see it, you're like, yeah, I can see the 70s prog in that. And you listen to it, you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. You've mixed Stoner with 70s prog and like all these strange compositional influences. And it fits really well. Yeah, there's some. I was going to say there's some cool kind of um, bits and sounds as well because we have towards the end you've got Sontag, which is the kind of there's an instrumental like a slow burn building instrumental track, which I thought was really reminiscent of Monster Magnet's Tab. If it wasn't drugged out shite, (laughs) 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 I don't know if any of you have ever heard Tab. Yeah, 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 ridiculous. (laughs) But. this is it, if that was a bit more focused mm. and like the actual melodies built to somewhere. Like. Yeah. I think that's a good point actually is that while this album is a pretty long one with very long songs, it is actually very focused. There's not really much noodling or you know showing off or anything like that in this. It all's relatively to the point despite being sort of really a massive epic. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's um, yeah, the um, Sontag I thought was a bit more sort of like a. It felt like a bit of a jam session, I suppose. But um, but yeah, it was a decent track. But um, yeah, it doesn't. I don't think it carries as much gravity as a lot of the other tracks. That That's play. interesting because actually, it's one of the moments I really love off this. Okay. Uh, like, yeah, I, I don't know why. I think it's because it has that jam session feel. It, but, but was really, really good. I guess because it was just hitting <laughs> something I've seen so many bands try <laughs> without just sounding like some studio off cut that they're like yeah, oh this yeah. this was fun to do like it actually is a good song doing mm. this mm. 
like yeah, it captures that kind of build in a way like only bands like Neurosis manage. Yeah, and and I think this is a thing that's true with most bands in this genre, but it captures a really live, organic feeling. Um, and for example, almost every band we'll talk about today, and a lot of stoner bands, I love their drum sound because it mm. sounds very real and very organic, which is something that sometimes in death metal I get really annoyed with drum sounds, despite that more being a genre I'm more into. Mm. So I really like that they tend to capture that sound of sounding like a live band because it that jammed out feel is very much a part of this genre i think yeah. um but it's yeah it's seeing people do that right like elder do it yeah, yeah absolutely yeah i just wanted to go back to the um the visual thing that we were talking about before um i don't know if you guys remember from the live show but they had like a really big visual element as well i think they had like a projector or something mm, and yeah, uh, yeah. Had the um the the visuals that they had to go along with the music like it fit really well and mm. it, it was along the same sort of theme as the um the album cover i'd be really interested to know who their artist is that does all mm, of their, um, yeah. their visual stuff because yeah. it is it's really good stuff yeah, the, the, it's definitely something that's like well worth remembering. Is like these guys are a guy a band to catch live. Like this yeah. is, although written as a trio, but like clearly written for a four piece band. Mm, like yeah. they do that. The album translates to live really well, possibly because like, I think there's a guest solo from their live guitarist. Like they have that kind of thing that bands like Behemoth have of mm. the kind of fourth member who isn't on the albums, but yeah, it seems yeah. to be a permanent part of the band. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, some of the like, even though they're only a three piece, there's obviously other layers to the instrumentation. Yeah, when you hear yeah, it, yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, it's impressive for what they've, you know, what they've done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, I think uh, we're going to leave you a bit of falling veil from this one.
Okay, so the next one we're covering, we're, we kind of hinted at earlier. This is King Buffalo's album, Longing to Be the Mountain. Um, I believe it's their second album? Uh, their second LP, I think. Okay, okay. LPs are long albums, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah LPs yeah, are yeah, full yeah. length. Yes, <laughs> they might have had another one, like, longer ago. But I think that the main ones that I'm familiar with are um, their first one, Orion, and then they did an EP called uh, Repeater, which is a really great album mm. as well. Um, and then this one, I think. Oh, cool, cool. So this is another US trio who have toured with Elder, so it's mm-hmm. kind of in a very similar vein to Elder. Um, formed 2013, so they're kind of a much newer band. Mm-hmm. And this is their 2018 release, uh, Longing to be the Mountain. Um, again, this is like another six-track album, similar, like slightly shorter, but... Um, the big difference between these guys and Elder, I'd say, is this band is much more mellow. Like, yeah, this yeah, is a very yeah. mellow release. Yeah, yeah. I think right for the beginning as well, because it begins with sort of like ambient noise and bird song and stuff, which I really like, because I thought, oh, it's like a black metal band. <laughs> I get this. Um, but uh, yeah, I really liked that as an intro, and it has that much more, it has a much softer feel to it. It's less alien and a bit more like homely. Yeah, I think their, um, their other albums are a little heavier, but um, you'd probably struggle to call this album metal, I think. It's, um, it's, yeah. it's very, mel- um, mm. very mellow, rather. They, I mean, stuff like as well, like, say, the first track, uh, Morning Song, starts with a mixture of kind of a very, um, like, reverb-heavy, clean-tone guitar, and then an acoustic guitar mm. with just, like, a drum and bass groove underneath the bass. has no distortion on it. Um, and the vocals are these super soft, like very mellow sound. I'd say if the bands were going today, this is the one where I actually really love the vocals. Like yeah, the yeah, others, I'm not so into. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there's something I, I wanted to ask you about this this album, like what you guys think. Um, mm. I kind of wonder. Do you think this is maybe kind of a concept album? Because the um, the whole theme of the songs is almost like a. Um, almost like a journey or a, a discovering of oneself or, or like really sort of introspective and like each of the progression, it's all, it always seems just they're sort of like searching for something. Mm. Um, and like this, the theme follows throughout, especially with the mm. last two songs and the, the lyrical content of, of sort of searching for something and finding it and then almost like transcending. There's certainly, um, I found listening to it, a huge catharsis at the end. Yeah. Like it's got these like sort of some of the heaviest moments towards the end of the album, which I really, really liked. It gave it that sort of, you have this really calm intro with the acoustic and the electric and the um, bird song and stuff like that. And then it ends on some of those heaviest moments. And I felt that was a really nice, it, it transitioned really nicely throughout. Whereas Elder, I'd say more has like really interesting song compositions. Mm. This whole album seemed to sort of flow on a journey for me rather than in individual songs. That's not so. There wasn't stuff going on in individual songs, but it had more of that album journey. Yeah, that's what I felt with it. So it almost feels like the first four songs are like a build up. And mm. then like the, um, the fifth song, Going to Be the Mountain, is like finding the mountain and then, mm. and then like, yeah, becoming the mountain, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I imagine it's kind of that holy mountain type reference, that sort mm. of conquering ambition or, or whatever. Like, yeah. that, that, and I, I, I did get that kind of feel. I don't know, I don't know how much the tracks are interlinked, but particularly I picked up stuff in the lyrics to the, to the title track that felt like that kind of, that journeyman kind of vibe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I want to say one of the things with this album being sort of one of the more mellow albums is it has really nice dynamics in it in that it has some really quiet moments and then some louder moments as well. And it's really nice to hear that difference, particularly if you're, you know, just listening to it by itself on a really nice set of headphones or speakers or something. You can really hear those peaks and troughs. 
and I really like that. Yeah, I like yeah. hearing a drummer play really subtly, and something like the mix of the electrics and acoustic guitars is really nice because it gives those electric riffs more definition when you can hear the acoustics next to it. And it's a thing that's been done a lot, but it was done really nicely here, and you can hear all of those little nuances in it because it has those quiet moments. And it makes the heavier moments seem really heavy. Because yeah. if you take yeah. like the end of Longing to be the Mountain in mm. isolation, it's just a distorted guitar riff. It's not mm. it's not anything that that big or impressive by itself. But because of the build where it's going through clean tone and acoustic guitar and the drums get louder and louder into the bit where he's suddenly hitting on the kit really hard and then yeah. the, the heavy distortion tone comes in, it's suddenly it's, it's the, the heaviest thing you've heard in half an hour and yeah. it sounds, yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds really big. You're like, yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's lulled you into this sense and it's like, right, have a heavy bit. Mm. Yeah, that's something that I really like about this album especially, but um, I think the songs in all, all four albums that have this kind of feel to them, that kind of crescendo, that really heavy, like long build up mm. that, that suddenly it, like it builds and builds and builds and builds into intensity intensity until you get to this this big moment in the music. And, it, it and it's, so, it's well. something really that's like hard that. to do right because there, I think there's a lot of bands who, you know, you can essentially artificially lengthen a build for as long as you want um, and then have a big crash at the end of it. But it's it's knowing how to do that right and how to have an increasing progression throughout that build rather than just having a long section and then a loud section when yeah. they're not really integrated. But I think all the bands we got today in King Buffalo, again, are a great example because they go from the really quiet up to really loud. And they have that bigger dynamic range of like actually writing those builds with a sense of momentum rather than just something that suddenly happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd say actually probably even more so than Elder. These yeah, and Elder, um, they, these guys have an incredible grasp of melody. Like mm. they're, they're kind of melodic moments, say like the kind of more singly track, uh, track two, Sun Shivers. Has is just like this really gentle melodic thing throughout, but it's super catchy. Mm. It's so mm. memorable and like that those little clean guitar riffs, like yeah. really sticking your head. And there's this a really like emotionally driving lead tone to it, which sounds like you know sort of like vintage classic rock style stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's just like single notes of guitar can like well up so much emotion in this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, um, like I think similarly to Elder, I think it is mainly led by Sean McVeigh, the vocalist slash guitarist. Like, mm. the, but the drummer and bass player certainly adds it in huge ways. It's just no one's ever doing anything that technical. No one's ever doing anything that flashy. Yeah. It's just it's not that kind of album. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, both uh, Sean McVeigh, the singer, and um, and the bassist do um, synth on the album as well. Mm. Um, and I think there's some percussion elements as well because uh, Scott Donaldson, the drummer, is. Um, for yeah, this is definitely one as well where it's it's not that kind of power trio thing. Like there is mm-hmm. no, there is many parts where there's like three or four separate guitar yeah. melodies. So, but this again, you said this worked really well live. Were they a free piece for the live stuff? Yeah, yeah, I, oh, I wow. think so. I mean, it was a few years ago now, but um, from what I recall, it was a free piece live. Cool. Yeah. So, be interesting to see how this translates on that mm. front because there's certainly a lot of stuff where. This secondary melodies. I guess they could do some of it or a backing track, but and especially for the, the synths and like additional percussions kind of stuff. Mm. I think as well the synth work is not like you've got a quite clear keyboard. It is very yeah. subtle, yeah. like yeah, absolutely, like it's yeah. one note behind the mix somewhere. There's some really subtle stuff you can pick out though that because you've got that bigger dynamic range, you can hear like there's some nice subtle work of double vocal tracking which only comes in every now and then, but is really nice. Like it just gives that little extra texture to the whole thing. Yeah. And I found myself noticing on that like the third or fourth listen and was like, yeah, yeah, that's really nice. And you you don't notice it when you first listen. Yeah, 
And once again, it's another really cool cover. I struggle mm. to describe what's going on. It's just, this yeah. one's more of just like, oh, it's a really good colour palette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, quite visually impressive. I think there's like the sort of the mountain in the background. Mm. Um, but yeah. yeah, I can't remember exactly what the, the cover looks like, but yeah, I think that's okay. Yeah. Uh, are you guys got anything more to add on this one, really? Um, Rob, did you? Yeah, um, I suppose uh, my, my possible only criticism is I found the vocals a little monotonous. Um, really yeah because um, this is the one actually the lot I was saying earlier I really like the vocals the yeah. vocals are what really sold me because Elder like the vocals are fine but at times mm. I'm like this guy isn't a brilliant vocalist whereas yeah, this guy yeah. I'd say he's a very accomplished singer like he's yeah because it's not that I didn't like them it's just that I found there wasn't a huge amount of range sometimes well, that's probably my only criticism of the album so it's like it's a really minor thing yeah I guess so and you do have that thing as well because they're a free piece and he's the guitarist as well he can't like he's he got to some anything. extent not right super complex yeah. vocal melodies because <laughs> yeah. he's got to play at the same time live because <laughs> he's not Devin Townsend <laughs> <laughs> alright well from this one um because it's a nice, like, short song, this isn't probably the, like, this doesn't really example any of the heavier elements, but um, it definitely shows off the melody kind of side of things. We're going to play a bit of uh, Sun Shivers.
So the third album we're covering, um, I think it might actually be a first for the podcast. Uh, this is Stone from the Skies, Fuck the Sun, released in 2017. They're a French band, um, and I believe it's their second full-length album. This album is an instrumental album. I don't think we've ever covered. I'm not sure we have, actually, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, so this is more or less in the same vein as the two albums we covered before. Another three-piece band, but just without any vocals on it. And actually, I'd say what really sold this album is, it took me like about 20 minutes into the album to go, oh yeah, there's no vocals. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what I was saying to Ollie on the way down here. I listened to it, like, I think I listened to the whole, the whole thing all the way through, and I was like, that was really good. And I listened to it again, I was like, there's no vocalist. <laughs> How did I not notice this? Yeah, I was saying to Rob on the way down, I think it's, um, maybe part of the reason that you don't realise that is because the song structure is, is almost like a song. It's It's got like a sort of, a back and forth between two different um, kind of sounding themes, I guess. Um, the sound is like going between a verse and a chorus, mm. um, but there's just no vocals there. It's just like, I don't know, I guess the guitar takes the role of the vocals, but yeah. it works really well. Yes, it certainly does, because they, they manage to fill out the role of the lead really well. Mm. Particularly something that's really interesting in this one as well is, as I say, it's another sort of power trio, but the thing that's different about this album to the two before is this is written... We're so clearly with live in mind in that there regularly isn't any second guitar. It's mm. all like mm. when when the the guitar goes into a very lead passage, it's just bass and drums. There's no overdub rhythm guitar or anything like that, mm. which I really respect songwriting wise because it means every musician needs to be top of their game, like yeah. playing yeah. something interesting at all times, or there's a gap in the sound. Yeah. So that's the interesting thing I'd say is um, this is by far my favourite rhythm section from this show. Definitely. Um, their drummer in particular is really nice. Um, he's got some really good grooves in this, some really nice sort of subtle but quite busy work on the snares and toms, and like puts in a huge amount of energy. And I think you do need that when you are writing this with you know no extra guitars. You need each person to be putting something into the whole package. You can't really afford to have someone sitting back, you know, just holding things together. You've got to be putting stuff up there or holding down a really solid groove. And I found their drummer was particularly incredible for this. And their bass tone as well is really nice. The bass guitar sounds massive. Yeah. And has to do that thing of offering a lot of counter melodies while mm. still providing some degree of groove. Like, yeah, it's, it's just really cool stuff. And the, the bass manages to sound very distinct from the guitar and fits a really different role. So you are getting... What you normally don't get is this dual attack of the bass and guitar at the same time, which I think, if you're watching some of their live videos as well, they look like they're putting on an amazing show, but you have so much stuff going on just from two players because they put the bass so high up there, um, and I think that was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really need to um, to check out some of their live stuff, actually. I've only listened to... Um, I've listened to this album a lot, and uh, mm. a couple of other albums I've listened to a few times. And um, Yeah, they're, they're, they're all really great, but I've not listened to any of their live stuff uh, so far. But yeah, as you were saying, they're, they're all really great musicians, and, and there's no one obviously being carried. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, but they mm. all really carry their weight. Um, and yeah, really great mix as well. I think the, um, the mix of sound, I think, is, again, you, if you listen to all three of these albums there's definitely a similar kind of theme, the whole sort of like psychedelic sound mm. uh, mixed with the sort of stoner rocky kind of things, which is, is what I really love. I think I, I went through a big short list of albums before mm. um, picking these three and um, yeah, I think they fit together really well as well. No, I think you really nailed it with these three because this, this one, like if you gave me the concept of it, I would be like, I don't know if I'm going to be into this, but there's so many brilliant melodies. There's so many good like builds and falls uh, in it. Like, 
the, the thing that I think we all said about this one is we had real trouble going like, oh, what's a good track of this? Because yeah. it's 40 minutes and you just like, it just feels like one big piece. Does, I mean, particularly yeah. without the kind of vocal melodies to give you mm. like, obvious choruses and stuff like that. You, you don't really notice songs stopping and ending. <laughs> yeah, it's got this really natural flow and it's got these sort of, you know, post-rock like bits. Because at the beginning of the album opens up in this sort of like post-rock type way and then it opens up into like suddenly really heavy but like quite spaced out riffs yeah. um, like they have a lot of space in them which is then filled by a lot of the bass and drums so it gives it that space to work with with the you know fantastic musicians um, and it has a lot of ambience around that and it, it sort of made me think of like rolling hills and dark forests yeah. which might have something to do with the album cover but it's a slightly <laughs> different feel to something like Elder which feels a bit more alien this feels a bit more grounded yeah, which me. is which is interesting, really, given some of the um, the song names. I think are um, <laughs> interesting. To say the least. I, I think Inventive. this is this is a classic instrumental band syndrome where because they don't have lyrical themes, they can just go yeah. a bit mad <laughs> yeah. on whatever they want to call the songs. Uh, yeah, for example, the first track is called "Inside the Dalek." <laughs> <laughs> Or the particularly stupid I love shags spell <laughs> I as in a human eye with no spaces. Yeah. So clear, like, I hate I God, piss take. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're on their Facebook page, which is where I can find most of the information about them. They have their inspirations as fuzz, vintage guitar amps, digital bass nerd computer stuff, and vegan pizza. <laughs> 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 Yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely not a band who take himself too seriously. Yeah, yeah. Although I do love like the album cover of the very pissed off looking drawing of an owl. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, yeah. the title of "Fuck the Sun" is brilliant. Yeah, I think the first time we came across this um, this band, um, I had the Stone Meadows of Doom, um, face, uh, what's it called, um, YouTube. YouTube channel, uh, and it was. New Year's Eve, I think, and it was like the middle of the night, it was like four a.m. or something, and we were late chatting and drinking and stuff, and and like suddenly you you turn to me like, "What are we listening to?" It's just like this owl on the screen, the sun, yeah, that feels about right. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just one of those albums as well. It's it's got such a great sound all the way through. It's like you start listening to it, and it just all the way through. It's it's got sort of it's got clearly a similar theme to a lot of the songs, but they're, they're all so distinct and have their own distinct sound to them. And mm. yeah, you, you just don't get bored throughout the whole thing. It's, it's really interesting music. It's yeah, definitely. And just like King Buffalo, there's a really good mix of sort of calm and quiet moments versus these like big riffs. Um, and that's particularly cool if you watch some of the live videos because they'll they'll all sort of calm down a little bit during these calm moments and then they'll start going wild during the really heavy bits and that like it just the dynamics they get on stage look fantastic so I'd love to see them do something like that because that must just it be really exciting to see that live. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, to, to Stone from the Sky, if, if you guys happen to listen to this, <laughs> yeah. please come to the UK. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. The thing I'd argue as well with these guys versus particularly King Buffalo we were talking about before is this definitely felt like a metal album to yeah. me. This yeah, felt, yeah. felt heavy yeah, enough that I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't put it in the rock category. Not that the genre matters too much, but mm. it, it definitely with this one expects something that's a little bit more brutal, a little bit more kind of aggressive. Like they don't use the super clean tone guitar quite mm. as much. It's, it is more fuzzy, but it's not super fuzzed out. It's still very clear and penetrable. Yeah, there's, there's some big, chunky riffs on this, which yeah. Yeah, I, I really got into. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. you were saying before, though, there's, there's such a great range to it as well. There are these like really soft, <laughs> quieter moments, and they do they do really enhance the, oh, the yeah. heavy parts a lot as well. Like It's, it's very sort of like soft and melodic and um, really more psychedelic at parts, mm. and then they're like, all of a sudden, it's like big, heavy 
heavy chugging riffs and mm. yeah. it just like it works so well yeah and I'd say that this one like to me of all of the albums reminded me the most of sort of Doom bands um, like there's riffs on this where I can see like oh yeah I could sort of see that fitting in a Doom context which is normally sort of the direction I come at Stoner from is that like Stoner Doom mix yeah, um, yeah. so I really liked that because it explored those slightly darker elements as well uh, and I love having riffs that do that yeah, uh, these guys have their third album, Break a Leg, is set to come out May this year, and they've said it's going to be heavier again than this one, so I'm really hyped to hear where they go with this sound, because if they were this good on their second album, it's going to be interesting to just see where they build from there, and I've seen the cover for it, and it's amazing. Nice, well, yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah, so from this one, I think we're going to play a bit of track four, Welcome to the Trantor. four picks for today is um, the super famous one a lot and kind of quite a bit old on the rest uh, this is Caius's final album and the Circus Lee's Town released in 1995 on Electra Records 
Ollie, do you want to give us a bit of an introduction to Caius for those who aren't familiar with them? Sure. So uh, Caius, I think they describe themselves as de- desert rock, right? Yeah, they're they're yeah. basically like sort of proto-stoner, I suppose. Mm, maybe it's fair to say. I suppose there were stoner yeah. bands around sort of before that, but they, they come with such a distinct style of their own. Um, it's sort of like hard rock meets sort of bluesy sounds with a heavy like psychedelic influence mm. as well um, and that super buzzy guitar tone because yeah, they, they yeah. formed in 87 so I, I do think these guys are well ahead of the yeah. curve because yeah, you've got to think of like think of slow rock bands at the time you've got stuff like Trouble and St Vitus aren't that long before this so yeah. yeah I don't think there was that many in that kind of stoner rock category but yeah, listeners, if there is one you can think of that influenced this, let us know because yeah, be we, we've definitely missed them. <laughs> yeah, indeed. They they were such a, a standout band compared to other bands at the time. I mean, they were basically around the same sort of time period as the, the sort of grunge scene. Um, yeah, yeah. And kind of, I think would it would be fair to put them in you know a similar category with like Alice in Chains because they've got you know a somewhat similar sound to Alice in Chains. I'm I'm a big Alice in Chains fan as well. But um, yeah, they they come with their interesting time. I can't believe they started in 1987. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) But yeah, so so this album, like their final album, would you say it's a bit of a departure from the sound they'd done before? Um, Maybe a little bit, but not 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 super different. I don't think. Um, No, I'd say it's 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 fairly similar. uh, Yeah, fairly fairly similar. The um, the only difference in terms of lineup is the drummer, obviously, and Brant Bjork not being on this album. Being replaced by Alfredo Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. So, if you're not familiar with the band, the the reason they're kind of... Well, one of the reasons they're still super famous is because their guitarist is Josh Homme, the main songwriter and vocalist and guitarist of Queens of the Stone Age, who, after massive fallouts with John Garcia, vocalist of this band, went off and did his own thing. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, up to this... It, the band is very much John Garcia, who's just the vocalist, and Josh Homme's thing, so... They got a new drummer on this album, and then Scott Reeder on bass, who's actually only on Welcome to Sky mm. Valley, the probably most famous of their albums. Yeah, like, so, so, yeah. Before this one, so so yeah, it's kind of they definitely recruit different rhythm sections mm. as they've gone on. Well, it's worth pointing out that um, Brant Bjork, the, the original Kaius drummer, was um, a big part of the writing, and that's okay. one of the things that changed okay. with this album. Yeah, so um, John Garcia took up a lot more of the writing on this album, um, mm. like One Inch Man, for example, which is one of the most famous Kaios songs there is. But Rob York previously have been a big part of the writing process. Oh, okay. Because, um, um, yeah, I think Josh yeah. Homme was the the, um, the main thrust of the writing yes. for, yeah, for yeah. Kaios. And, um, yeah, his his influence. I think you really get a feel for just how much influence he had in writing songs and what the songs sound like with him being the main writer when you compare that this to um, the sort of the later iterations of kind of post-Kaios bands that John Garcia tried to put together, including mm. Kaios Lears, which... It just doesn't really sound like Caius, even yeah. even with John Garcia and Brant Bjork. Um, you know, it just it just never really sounded the same. Mm. I don't think. But I think the foundation of Caius's sound is what Josh Homme does with not yeah, even guitar yeah. riffs, guitar tone. There's yeah. something about what his guitar sounds like, mm. which is truly inventive. Well, he he's, yeah, he's he's, a re- he's really secretive with all of his gear and stuff like that. But some of the stuff where we're pretty sure he does is that he plays through bass cabs. Um, and he tends to use a guitar amp head, but uses a bass cap, so it gets this really sort of fuzzy, much lower sound. Mm. Um, and there's, there's pretty much no one who's managed to make the same noise on a guitar that he did on these Caius albums. Yeah, they were so influential as well. Mm. So, you know, um, so new, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, they, they definitely started that wave of the really 
fuzz heavy like rock that's so fuzz heavy it's become extreme yeah like essentially yeah. like yeah, there's nothing there's there's no blast beats there's no like aggressive vocals but this is heavy dark music yeah and it opens you up to having like much slower more spaced out riffs that suddenly sound heavy because they have all <laughs> this fuzz around them like if you played it on a non-fuzzed out guitar there just wouldn't be anything happening but with <laughs> yeah. this tone it fits so well and it just creates this you know, like slightly huge, oppressive desert-like atmosphere. Yeah, which I guess is yeah what they're going for. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, their imagery as well is very much like they, they're kind of obsessed with that that kind of image of rocking out in the sand somewhere, like that kind. Of, you 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 can kind of I imagine they did this as well. I don't know too much about the history, but you can see them doing open air shows just in the yeah. middle of like yeah, yeah, yeah some yeah. flat in Arizona. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. I don't know where they where they started. Like, do you know what what state or what city they started? I don't, I don't actually know. know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I imagine I it's probably something in the south, but I don't know. Like, sure. But yeah, maybe Arizona. That would um, that would mm. certainly fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think having that like really unique fuzzy guitar tone works really well with the bass on previous Kaios albums as well as this one because there's a really strong contrast between the mm. guitar and the bass because the guitar's so much more fuzzed out and there's all consuming presence. And then the bass can play loads of like weird little rhythms on a lot of the songs here and add some extra elements in and is often way more clearly defined than the guitar is, yeah. which is quite an interesting <laughs> mix. Yeah. Um, but it gives it this really unique feeling. Yeah, in a lot of a lot of bands, like the, the bass basically just mirrors what the drums are playing and it's really hard to pick out the bass in some music, but in, yeah, in this yeah. it's like it's really distinct. Because as well, much like say Sam from the Sky we were talking about earlier there's not too much overdubbing. It's lots mm-hmm. of like, we've got one solid guitar piece, one solid bass piece. I'd say this album as well has a lot of cool variation. Mm. A lot of songs that, although the songs like, unlike the previous bands, there's a lot more tracks and they're a lot shorter. Between tracks, you get some really nasty, dirty, heavy ones like Size Queen is mm. really in your face. But then track before Tiny Tizzle is not quite as heavy. It's on, <laughs> it's more of a building one. Although it has got one of the best riffs yeah, in the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's some like weird, unconventional rhythms on this album. Like, I mean, One Inch Man is a classic for having just like a weird rhythm. Size Queen as well, she's got some weird rhythms on it. Which you can sort of see how this goes on to some of the Queens of the Stone Age stuff that would follow with yeah. just slightly odd rhythms, which just make things a bit more interesting. Yeah, Josh Homme seems to come up with these really interesting and really inventive licks that just mm. work to just like, yeah. just as, 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 well, as rhythms, like you said. I, I can't remember what track it is on this album, but there's one that almost has that, the you know, the feel good hit of the summer, the dun 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 That that rhythm is in one of the songs. I wish I could remember which one it is, but it's so close to that, which he then bases a whole song around when when given free reign. I'll have to listen out for that the next time I listen to this album. But I do really love this album. I think it doesn't get enough like enough attention as it deserves because it's kind of overshadowed by... Um, Welcome to Sky Valley there. Yeah, I'd say this one is like a, it's a bit less sort of all-consuming and in-your-face than some of the earlier albums like Blues for the Red Sun and um, Welcome to Sky Valley. Like, it takes a bit of a step back and has some much more open sections. Like, for all the songs like Size Queen and Tangy Zizzle, which are a bit more up there, it's got songs like um, Phototropic and stuff and El Rodeo where it, like, takes a backseat. It will still build to huge bits. Like, El Rodeo is a good example of that where it starts off very simplistic with, like, a normal groove and then ends in this huge riff with John Garcia yelling rodeo over the top of it. So, and it has has those builds, which maybe, I think, Kaiser done a little bit less of before this. 
it really opens it up. And I think you can see that trend in all the other bands we've talked about today of having those builds. Yeah. And I think this is where Caius did it the best and did most. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can really hear the influence of, of the um, the other bands in, sorry, of Caius in the other yeah. bands. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would be very surprised if, if they didn't cite Caius as a, a major mm. influence. Mm. Um, yeah, going back to El Radio as well, that's, uh, that's got to be one of my favourite songs on this album. It's just, it's so, it's such a weird song, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it just, it works so well. And like, I've listened to that song loads of times and I still can't figure out what the hell it's supposed to be about. No. <laughs> it's such no a idea. weird song. It's like, it's like clearly, well, I think Josh, Josh Homme wrote it and clearly had an idea about what it was about, um, but there's no like clues no. in the lyrics. <laughs> it's, it's just like, <laughs> this is the song. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Yeah, I think this is definitely an album where I had massive trouble penetrating what the hell was going on in any <laughs> yeah. of the lyrics. I have no idea. Yeah, fair enough. As well, because like John Garcia throws in a lot of just random noises yep. in some of the songs. <laughs> He'll get halfway through a line and just start wailing. Yeah. I mean, he's got... Um, I really like his voice. I think it's one of so those things I, yeah. that if you don't get it, it is going to be quite tricky. Because um, it is this like sort of primal southern bluesy scream type thing, which is very unique. Like, there's not really anyone who sounds quite like him. Yeah, I, I think that he's not given enough um, credit. To be honest, he's like there's these so well-known vocalists from the '90s. You know, Kurt Cobain, like all of the grunge singers, mm. Eddie Vedder, Lane Staley, Chris Cornell, and like nobody's really heard of John Garcia, but he's such a fantastic vocalist. Yeah. I think. Uh, to throw my pinch of salt on this, I can't stand his vocals. <laughs> I really. <laughs> Like, so, so, I think he's got a phenomenal voice for it, so, so I listen to Queens of Stone Age a lot more than I listen to Caius because I think Josh Homme's the better singer of the two of them oh, okay, I yeah, like yeah. Josh Homme's kind of higher more melodic rather than John Garcia's much more aggressive kind of voice yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, have you guys heard their uh, I think it's their first album Wretch by the way it's a not lot at more all, no. um, it's a lot more gritty than their other ones um yeah, just a lot sort of it's it's heavier and the vocals are I would think you probably hate it though. It's, it's, it's much, like much grittier, there's like much less clean vocals and um yeah, it's um it's a good album but mm. it's it doesn't it doesn't have the polish of their later albums and it's like most of the music isn't as melodic. I, I think it's it's doesn't seem to be one I've ever heard referenced. Because mm. I've heard all the other three yeah. references influential somewhere or other, but I I couldn't have even told you the name of it off the top of my head whereas <laughs> yeah. the others uh, like uh, yeah, definitely no better. Obviously, this band fell apart in a spectacular way and don't talk anymore. And yeah. then the two halves that fell apart fell apart even further because now Josh Hobby <laughs> doesn't speak to Nick, the replacement bass player from the yeah, Fallout. Yeah, yeah. But if you want something that's kind of in this vein, more kind of jammed out, but um, the Desert Sessions that Josh Homme does, yes, yeah. I feel are the closest anything's got since to capturing the atmosphere of Caius. Yeah. I know they're way more jammed and it's clearly... Yeah, that's how, that's what I thought. I've listened to the yeah. Desert Sessions um, once or twice and I just felt it a bit not really as structured and uh, mm. Mr. Songs aren't quite as, as catchy. Yeah, one of those things that's like really interesting just to give a listen to, to hear some really talented people just jam out some music, but... It doesn't have that thing of when you actually meticulously put an album together where it has a logical structure and all makes sense and has emotional beats throughout it. I, I guess so, but I, I did really enjoy them. A uh, mm. friend of the show, Finn, was showing me like some highlights oh, yeah. of them the other night because I've not heard them before. And I was like, I'm really enjoying. And it, it, it possibly that was because that was someone curating a list of like, here's six great tracks from yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think when you listen to it all the way through... There is quite a lot of like just sort of jamming, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't necessarily have much like structure to it. I think it could have been done, it could have done with being um, maybe edited a little more and sort of thinned down a little bit. Um, but as it is, it's just sort of like, here's this thing, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, have with it what you will. 
Yeah. I'll say everything as well about Caius is like they've got huge energy when they want to have it. Like I think probably more so than any of the other bands, they'll much more get up in your face and just pummel you with a fast, aggressive riff. Um, like the beginning of Hurricane, the first track, it's got this really nice little like drum intro and a couple of drum fills from Alfredo, and then it just pushes you right into this like fast riff. Yeah. Where so a lot of stoner, you know, slows down quite a lot. Caius will really pummel you with big, fast riffs a lot. And I really like that. It adds to that. When you get that build of the sort of slow sections, and then not only does it get heavy, but it gets a lot faster as well. I really like how they do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's again, something that, um, whilst Caius have done that probably maybe more so than the other albums that we've listened to, it is a theme across all mm. four of these albums yeah. of that sort of like slow sort of build up that then, you know, hits a, a major crescendo and it just, like, it works really well. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, because some of the more mellow tracks now, like uh, Fredrik and mm. um, Catamaran as well, even though they're quite mellow for the most part, they do have some quite heavy sections mm. to them as well, particularly Fredrik. And then there's um, Spaceship Landing, which is enormous. Like, it's a gigantic yeah. epic for the end. And um, yeah, it's got some really amazing leads and it's just got these amazingly apocalyptic-sounding moments. Like, Spaceship Landing is probably my favourite track um, on this album track. yeah it's by yeah. far the longest track on the album as well it's yeah. like 11 minutes long yeah it's a really big one it's just got these incredible riffs on it which are big enough to fill like an entire desert which I think is sort of the point yeah. although I do hate what it does because it's one of those albums that does the thing of like oh we've got a secret track afterwards <laughs> this should that. be a maximum length <laughs> for the silence like, <laughs> that's true 20 minutes <laughs> and there's like that, that sort of like one tiny like 30 minute section like halfway through of the like mm, dear thing yeah uh, and then oh, it yeah, goes on there's yeah. like another 10 minute silence and then finally the like the last bonus track yeah the, this is such an idea that yeah. like people were very high when they thought this was a good because <laughs> Robin Plow the song is about 11 minutes long yeah. the actual CD length of it is 33 minutes yeah, 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 for yeah, nothing yeah. of value yeah, yeah. That, that, doing that seemed to be quite popular in the 90s oh, uh, yeah. and has, has since fortunately died out of uh, popularity well you say this there is a really good comparison track you know the end of Blood Mountain by Mastodon yeah. the last track on that oh, is yeah. about 33 minutes long and you wait for a Josh Homme uh, <laughs> a, a, like letter he wrote the band yes, yeah, he wrote yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So well, I am blaming yeah, Josh for all of Yeah, it's come full circle. Yeah, I just wanted to mention um, the the last the, the bonus track at the end, um, day one is um, it's a really great close to the album. It's a shame that they put that long sort of yes. silence because a lot of people will miss it. They'll just sort of think the album's over and turn it off, or just like close the window or something you know yeah but um yeah the um the song was one of the few written solely by um scott reader the um, oh, okay the mm. and um it was actually dedicated to the surviving members of nirvana um after mm, Cobain yeah. committed suicide so it was really like poignant as well it's, it's, it's such a like a nice somber end to the album mm, it's like yeah. their last album they know it's gonna be their last album and yeah it's like this is us mm. finished. Yeah. I think it is clear from doing some of the reading around it about like the band members' relationship at the time and hearing the album where like they know this is the final hurrah, like this is the last thing they're gonna do. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they I think John was definitely of the idea he wanted to reform like even sort of ten years ago. Yeah, we can't. But find Josh him. Josh yeah. has no interest. And, yeah. yeah. And, and honestly I don't see why he should, because his new band are so much more popular. Uh, yeah, they're ten <laughs> yeah, times yeah. as popular as these guys ever were. Like, yeah. um, and, and for obvious reasons, because they're way more accessible than Caius. Caius mm. is Caius is still a disgusting, like dirty sounding yeah. band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I love them so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from this, I mean, we're going to play a bit of phototropic. Um, hang around afterwards because we've got another nepotism corner. Mm. 
okay, so this is another, like, really nepotism corner, because I've released <laughs> it, well, I've released the first album I've done in a while. Um, Rob, unfortunately, is not on this one, so it's just me, but this is another band I'm in called Divian, which is... Kind of progressive thrash metal, I think. We're not quite yeah. sure. <laughs> that's, that's, I think, yeah. The progressive thrash metal sci-fi concept album is probably how I'd describe this first release. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'd say I picked up a distinct sort of groove element to it as well. Mm. It's like, um, yeah, maybe elements of... Um, oh, what are they called? Band that laid, laid to rest. Like uh, Lamb of God. God. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to sing Lamb of God. I, mean, okay, I, mean, yeah, but, um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it then. It's good. Mm. Yeah, so this is so it's a band I'm in with two other people um, vocalist and guitarist Finn, who I mentioned earlier, mm. and drummer and producer, recorder, mixer, guy who did all the actual <laughs> work, Hugo. Um, so Finn wrote all of this. He, I think he wrote the full album about three years ago and just recruited mm. us to play parts on it. So something I can talk about quite happily because. I just turned up and played the bass. I, yeah. my, my writing is I added about three bass lines that are slightly <laughs> different from the original. But yeah, so Finn's influence are well and truly huge Kaya Queens of Stone Age mm. fan, massive Mastodon fan, uh, massive Slayer fan. Yeah. And this sits somewhere, I would say, between Slayer and Mastodon. Yeah, I think it is a weird combination of those two things, which actually fits together really nicely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a relatively short album as well, where... Couple of longer tracks, a couple of really fast, thrashy ones that, yeah, there's one track that's up to 280 BPM, which yeah. is yeah, the yeah. most terrifying thing I've ever recorded. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, yeah, to go over some of the sort of individual performances on this, the um, the drumming, Hugo is a phenomenal mm. drummer. Like, he's so energetic, he's like jumping around all over the place. The person he like reminds me of a little bit is um, recent drummer from Vector on Terminal Redo. Wow. Like, he reminds me a little bit of that jumping around style. And to be fair, the guy from Vector is one of my favourite drummers of I all think time. he's one of the best metal drummers yeah. around. It's a shame um, he's kind of dropped off the map yeah. since then. But like jumping from weird grooves to like blast beats to like some really fast double bass stuff. Like I love how much energy it puts in this because the album is like has loads of riffs and loads of stuff going on and jumps about in weird time signatures and having a drummer just pour that energy into it that it needs, because it, if it had a different drummer, I think it could feel a bit stale. Mm. And that would be a real shame for the riffs, which have so much to give, and they need that. And then also to say that Phil's bass performance is fantastic. Like <laughs> The bass has been really nicely mixed. As yeah, well. I'm so, this is like the best bass done I've ever recorded. Yeah, it makes such a huge difference, because it gives the whole thing so much weight. And then you've got the counterpoint to the quite complex guitar riffs, is this really nice bass, which sits underneath all of it, and then provides that thunderous power on some of those like 280 BPM like quantum <laughs> homicide and stuff like that where it's just crazy fast I had to play it 12 notes a second thing this time. I don't know how that's possible like, in hindsight I don't oh god that's so much practice and Finn's vocals are really good which is hilarious yeah. because apparently he drank very hard before recording oh, it to the point of he got two me. hours sleep <laughs> and apparently he was recording this with a headache from hell. So oh. for me, that just improves the performance, <laughs> if anything. Yeah. I mean, um, so Finn previously was the vocalist of um, several other bands, um, including Bangover, and he's got like quite a unique death metal style, I think. Mm. like It's not quite like anyone I know. And... Um, it's sort of it's not the fully distorted sort of traditional death metal thing you might think of. It's somewhere between Tom Araya and a death metal vocalist. It's in that weird little mid bit, and then there's bits where he drops it like much lower and gets closer to that death metal thing. But there's very much his voice is in there at all times, yeah, which makes yeah. it feel quite unique, which I really like. And then there's some clean vocal bits which I thought worked really well as well. It was a really nice little change of pace. 
Um, so there was enough variety going on there that it was always really exciting. No, it was really cool as well. Because I so basically we all recorded separately. So I recorded the bass to some like MIDI tracks essentially. Mm. And so I had no idea what the drums were going to sound like, no idea what the vocals were going to sound like when actually, like, at all. And mm. the guitars even were kind of a surprise. So, yeah. yeah, the whole thing was really kind of weird composition. We're trying to get a new guitarist now and actually mm. become a live band. Okay. And, yeah, the, the follow-up album's in the writing process. It's yeah. going to be a direct sequel in terms of story as well. So, again, this is one, like... Look it up because the lyrics are really decent. Yeah. It's currently on Bandcamp for Pay What You Want. The band's called Divion, D-I-V-I-I-O-N. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that band name is like really bad for the autocorrect saying, did you mean Division? It's like, yeah. no, no, I didn't. It's, like, it's you such... search for it anywhere and it's like, yeah. Yeah, bloody Division videos you need to like constantly quick, like... Yeah. It's a really hard thing to search for, but the album's called Journey of the Time Shaman, so that okay, will probably find it a bit better. Yeah, um, that was a really good album. I, I really enjoyed it. I think yeah. um, all of the musicians on it played really well, and as you say, Finn's vocals were really phenomenal as mm. well. I, um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I mean, obviously, it's it's a lot heavier than the things that <laughs> yeah. much heavier than the stuff that I usually listen to. But you know, I I like some heavy music as well. Occasionally, I was you know I used to be a really big Slayer fan, was mm. really into Machine Head and that sort of thing. Which is, yeah, you know, yeah, again, probably not quite as heavy as this, but um, but still, yeah. <laughs> Biggest it was heavy, but this is just a bit. <laughs> complex and weird yeah I guess yeah. Yeah. but I really enjoy them yeah yeah, and thanks to Jordan Colliver who did the artwork because the artwork was yeah, absolutely yeah. excellent fantastic yeah, artwork which came from an MS Paint thing that Finn did originally <laughs> Jordan as an artist took it and turned it into something amazing the MS so, Paint original is yeah. kind of incredible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Oh, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, who, who did the guitaring on that? I'm not sure if I thought So, Finn did half the guitaring, and Scott, the guitarist of Bang Over, did the other oh, half. Okay. But Scott's needs to focus on Bang Over, so, yeah, yeah we're looking for a replacement lead guitarist. Yeah, but it's Finn's worth pointing out some, some really solid lead guitar. Well, and rhythm guitar as well. Like, the playing on that is phenomenal. There's some ridiculous stuff you have to get your head around to play it. Like, just listening to it, you're like, holy fuck, where does that riff go? <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, and added to that, it's just really cool to see someone taking the ideas of Thrash and doing weird stuff with them. Like when we talked about Vector and Coroner and Voivod and bands yeah, like yeah. that. It, it's that sort of thing of taking Thrash and then going, well, actually, let's do this weird. Because yeah. it's often the genre which can get quite stale quite easily. Too much kind of open string palm music, yeah. which we're, yeah. we're guilty of as well. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so from this, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to play the, the entirety of the title track, Journey of the Time Shaman. Um, yeah, so let us know what you thought about this stuff. Um, we were saying earlier we'd definitely get Ollie back for the kind of to do another kind of stone rock, southern rock, southern metal kind of um, episode again because mm. he finds albums we would just not come across otherwise. Um, yeah, so let us know ones you think were really good. Ollie has a long list he which he narrowed down, so you may <laughs> well hit some that were already on there. Um, yeah, so get in touch, uh, philsbreakfastmetal at gmail.com at Breakfast Metal on Twitter or search for us on Facebook at Phil's Breakfast Metal.